Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Welcome to today's episode. It is a solo podcast and it's on a topic that I kind of feel like a little bit funny recording about and not because I feel funny about sharing my thoughts on the topic. I'm really comfortable with that, but more just a little bit funny about the whole premise of like, look what I've done. I've manifested this person because I feel as though there's been so much rhetoric surrounding manifesting in the last couple of years in particular. And with social media, there's such a focus on, you know, you can manifest your best life. And, you know, if things aren't going well, it's just your fault because you're not manifesting right. And I hate, like, I kind of hate the notion that people may not be feeling fulfilled purely because they're not manifesting in the way that, you know, someone who wants to sell you an online course on manifesting tells you to do it, if that makes sense. That's one of the things I'm trying to stop doing, if that makes sense. Um, But, you know, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to edit it out because it's a work in progress. But I guess my reservations surrounding using this term of, oh, I've manifested a great partner is purely because I don't want to discount what I believe goes into that manifestation. And the reason it's on my mind today is because I have just today recorded an episode with an incredible holistic psychologist and she was talking a lot about how we are all energy and what we put out there, we do get back. And that's so true. I so believe that. Like that is factual. We are energetic masses. And I do truly believe, you know, even if we were to push aside the quantum physics side of things, because I'm certainly not a quantum physicist, nor do I claim to be, but even if we were to push that stuff aside, anecdotally, I do believe that you call in an energetic match for where you are. Like often... And often that presents as calling someone in who may have a similar wound to you, calling someone in who's going to match your vibrational frequency, match where you're at, or, and sometimes it's an or and an end, calling in someone who is really going to keep taking the scab off your wound, which sounds disgusting, but I think it's a good analogy, you know, like someone who's going to keep aggravating the things that you really need to learn, the stuff that you're here to do, the work that you are here to do in this lifetime, you're going to keep calling someone in who's going to force you to face that stuff. And that's when patterns emerge. So I guess my reservation surrounding using the terminology of, oh, I've manifested someone in, I feel like that term manifesting 
can discount the actual work that goes into that, the work that goes into changing that vibrational and energetic frequency. Because yes, you can create a vision board. Yes, you can start to really think and visualize a higher version of yourself who exists in that quantum field in that space who has that stuff like a different version of yourself you can sit there and meditate on it and that's great you know that can sometimes be the spark that ignites change but I don't want to ever have someone think that that's all you have to do that's like one of the little cogs in the system that can turn but there are so many other cogs that need to be turning as well So whilst I have titled this episode, I manifested a boyfriend, probably with a question mark after it knowing me, um, to me, the reason that I feel as though I have connected with someone who is incredibly different in a lot of ways to past partners is not because of that high level, like surface level, excuse me, surface level manifesting. You know, it's not because I sat down and wrote out 10 qualities that I want in a dream partner. It's not because I had certain things on my vision board. It's because I was willing to look at what it was that I was doing. How was I contributing towards being stuck in a similar cycle? And I've been very transparent in podcasts and shared, you know, I think... I have for a lot of my life chosen to be with unavailable, like emotionally unavailable and sometimes physically unavailable men. I've sought those relationships out. I've also in the past really sought out relationships with people who, um, not my not my last relationship. I just want to be clear in case <laughs> in case he's listening, um, but also just to be completely honest. But in the past, I feel as though I have sought out relationships where one of my highest values to that person was perhaps how I physically presented. And you know, it's it's an uncomfortable thing to say, but I think a lot of my stuff surrounding that topic of choosing unavailable men, of choosing men who really value the way that I look, choosing men who, um, you know, often were very comfortable being in full control of situations was because that's what I grew up with to an extent, not even to, that's what I grew up with as seeing as normal. And so I guess I was trying to recreate that. And as Laura, the um, holistic psychologist I spoke with today was saying, Often we then seek out a similar situation so that we can heal, work through it and repair. And so I can see that on a subconscious level, I went out and continually repeated this pattern. And it's almost like poking the bear of like, oh, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to figure it out at a completely subconscious level. Um, And so I guess for me to now be able to go, oh, you know what? At nearly 35, I feel as though I am in a relationship that feels entirely different to any relationship I have ever been in before. Now, when I say that, I also feel like I need to give the caveat of saying, I am not sat here saying there's only one person for everyone and you're going to find your one and then everything's going to be magical after that. I don't believe in that at all. I also will continue to be very vocal that I don't believe as a society we should keep valuing longevity in relationships more than we value anything. I think we should value so many other success markers before longevity. So I'm not recording this podcast to say to you, oh, I manifested my 
dream man and he's never going anywhere although he will tell you differently he's like this is it like I'm done I'm hanging up like this is this is it he's so funny but I think because because of going through a divorce and because of having people in my life who I have seen act in such different ways to the way that I would imagine they would I do find it hard to relax into the notion of, oh, yes, I know you so well that I can say hand on my heart, I'm going to be with you forever. But that's a whole other thing to work upon, I'm sure. It's a whole other series of therapy and whatnot. But for today's episode, I guess what I want to focus on is I feel as though now at this age, at this stage, being with someone who feels so unfamiliar in so many ways has only been possible because of doing the work. And when I say the work, I mean actual therapy, like talk therapy with a therapist. I mean other modalities like breath work was a massive one for me. Journaling was a huge one. Actually learning to understand how I was feeling and what I needed and tuning into my own intuition has been probably the biggest one for me, getting really, really clear on what it is that I want in this lifetime. Like, what is it? Who is it that I want to be? And that version of myself, what is it that she needs in a partnership if she's going to accept a partnership again? And I know that the term the work can seem ambiguous. You know, it's one thing to be like, oh, you've got to go and do the work, but there is no shortcut in doing this work. And a lot of it is actually getting really uncomfortable and looking at your past choices and being a little bit analytical as to what are the things that led you to be in that situation. What are the things that have led you to believe that that is the love that you deserve? You know, for me, what are the things that led me to believe that the love that I deserved was connected to someone who connected to people who are unavailable. You know, and I can look back at my childhood and very clearly see a through line there for sure. Um, You know, what are the things that led you to believe that the size of your body and the way that you look should be so valued by a partner? Again, very clear, like very clear through lines throughout my whole childhood and adolescence there from the language that was used in our household, the praise that I received, the fact that from a very young age, I was encouraged sometimes, maybe I don't even know if encouraged is the right word, but certainly facilitated to go ahead to castings and put myself like as a young child to put myself in a situation of feeling as though how I looked should be and could be judged by other people in terms of entering like even little shopping center catwalks and modeling and that that sort of stuff and just always putting myself or always finding myself in situations where the way that I looked felt to be the most valuable thing I could offer a room so it would then make sense that if I met people as an adult who made me feel comfortable often that through line would still be continued. You know, that groove would continue to get deeper and I would continue to feel like, oh, I've got to be a certain way. I've got to be perfect. I've got to be this size. I've got to look like that. I've got to be quiet. I've got to stay small. I've got to be agreeable. So actually just understanding, huh, where does that stuff come from? Where did I develop that belief? How can I work on letting go of that belief? That's like, that's part of the work. 
And it's not something that I can sit here and give you like a seven step process for you to follow because we all have such different stuff that's going to come up for us. And, you know, for some people you might be listening and you're in your early twenties. And so maybe you haven't yet had that 10, 20 years as an adult to make that groove, that through line deeper and deeper. Or perhaps you're listening and you are in your 50s and on top of your childhood experience, you've now had this adult experience where you've cemented that groove even further. And I feel as though I want to be clear, and I don't know whether I will become clear in this solo episode because I know that they can sometimes get a little rambly, but I want to be clear that sometimes like that groove that we're making deeper is like a healthy groove. You know, you have these beliefs surrounding a healthy relationship and you're making it deeper by having this connection with someone who keeps confirming and reconfirming that that belief to be true. And it's all great. Like it's all healthy. You're still growing as an individual, you're growing as a couple and you don't need to do the work on that stuff nearly as much as you need to do the work on stuff that causes you to suffer and it causes you to stay um, unseen and safe in that way of like, oh, I'm going to continue to repeat the pattern because it's familiar to me. So we continue to repeat things that even might cause us upset and hurt us simply because they feel safe. There is a great um, book by a man of the, his name is Harville Hendricks, I'm pretty sure, Harville Hendricks, and it's called Getting the Love You Deserve. And I read that book maybe three years ago and I was like, holy shit, like it was such an unlock for me as to why the things that, you know, were kind of, I'm using the term wounds, but like wounds from my childhood, why I had sought out ways to repeat that as an adult. So doing the work does mean getting uncomfortable and looking at that stuff. And then it also means doing the work to become aware of separating your thoughts and beliefs from fact and reality, and also putting yourself in the driver's seat in terms of actually getting clear about what it is that you desire, what it is that you want to feel you can accept and deserve, and then being ready for it. And when I say being ready for it, what I mean is I have done so much work and the work is continual, like it's ongoing. The work day is never done in terms of self-work, but I had done so much work on really getting clear about what it is that I would accept if I was to be in a romantic relationship again, getting really clear on the type of person I wanted to be with. And then when this person was presented to me after, you know, a lot of dating when this person was presented to me, whilst there was like a lot of um, feelings of warmth and positivity from me, there were also feelings of like, this feels slightly confronting at times. This feels slightly uncomfortable, not in the way of like, oh, it's bad, but just in the way of it feels so different. This is a different path to the path I have, have walked before. So it it wasn't painful, but there were times when I was feeling like a little bit flooded and a little bit overwhelmed just because it felt so different. And when we start doing things different, even if they're better for us, even if they're good for us, it can have that little bit of like, oh, what is this? 
I don't recognize this. What's happening here? And so for me, having an emotionally available man who was so in, I kind of at times felt a bit prickly because I didn't know how to accept it. Or maybe not that I didn't know how to accept it because I feel like I have been fully so accepting, but just it's different. It feels foreign, you know, and even now a couple of months into this relationship with Brendan, I, you know, and there are things I'm still getting used to. Like he is here when I have the kids sometimes, not for the full time that I have the kids, but some of the time. And, you know, just the other morning we were in the kitchen and he was making the kids breakfast without me having to ask him to do it, without me expecting him to do it, just because he's very like, he's so observant. Um, like this is a guy that just clocks every little thing. Like, <laughs> like um, I might talk about it when he's on the podcast, but when I met him, I kind of thought, has he, su- <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but I kind of thought, has he suffered like one too many blows to the head because he's quiet. Like he's really quiet at the start, but now that I know him more, he's, it's not that he's like, um, like, I don't know, like he's actually clocking things and storing them in his memory. And so this particular morning we'd gotten up, he's not always here on a school morning, but he was this morning and he just automatically seamlessly started doing the kids breakfast and they eat two different things for breakfast and normally at two different times as well. So it's my normal to wake up. One of the boys has normally put the kettle on for me because that's like his signal, like get the fuck up out of bed, basically. (laughs) That's what one of the boys does. So like I'll make myself a coffee. I'll start one of the, like I'll start his breakfast, the kid that's up first. I'll get the lunch boxes sorted. I'll start packing the lunch boxes whilst I'm simultaneously doing, making my coffee, also making his breakfast, also half unpacking the dishwasher at times. Like I'm just doing so many things and I feel as though I do them effortlessly. If you look at it, because I'm just moving from one task to the other, they're all partially finished, but I'm getting, I'm getting it all sorted. And so I turned around after like starting the lunch boxes and was like, holy shit, like I don't know what to do with myself. And I almost felt like a little bit of frustration, like a bit of frustration at like, oh, hang on, this isn't how the system normally goes. And not frustration at all at Brendan, not frustration at all at having someone there, but just like, oh, like this feels a bit prickly, you know, like I am so used to being across everything. So that's part of the work. Like that is part of the work of noticing that experience and being like, huh, what is that? What am I feeling? Why do I feel that way? Well, probably because it's all been on me. It's all been on me for like a little while now. And I'm so used to being such a well-oiled machine, but this is what I want. Like I want someone in my life who's going to weave into my life and, you know, of course, build a life together. But I want someone who is actually going to be part of that mundane domesticity at times, because that was certainly missing from a previous relationship. And so it's just noticing like what comes up, you know, what does it actually mean? And being willing to go a little bit deeper, you know, sometimes our first automatic response isn't actually true to what we need or how we're feeling. That surface level thing that comes up isn't always trustworthy for exactly what it is that we truly desire because we have so much conditioning surrounding old beliefs that are comfortable 
So sometimes our response is to do with, oh, that comfortability, (laughs) tongue twister, um, that's changed and that can be uncomfortable by definition. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There was a lot of work I had to do with childhood beliefs beliefs, of course, as I said, that I then went and reconfirmed in other relationships in my life. Um, Also just really getting comfortable with understanding people that I would call in, I would call them in because they were an energetic match. And I've never told this story ever publicly. Um, And I won't go into all of the weeds, but after my marriage ended and we had completely separated, I called in someone, like I was seeing someone and he was just like so, um, so disrespectful to me, like such a, like I'm using quotes here, like such a bad guy in terms of just like straight up not treating me well at all, but really spoke to that wounded side of me of praising certain parts of me, certain aspects of me that I was just desperate for someone to recognize and someone to praise and someone to see. And like when I reflect on that relationship that was short and like this was a guy who, um, you know, on paper was great, but in reality was really like not a good guy I'm talking about. He would say that he was like he'd fly from the state that he lived in to come and see me and spend time with me. Um, but on the time during the times that I had the kids, he would say that he, you know he's just because of course I wasn't ready for anyone to meet the kids, so there's no way in hell he was going to meet them. But in the times that he wasn't with me, he would say that he was staying with a friend, and it turned out that he wasn't staying with a friend. He was staying with someone else that he had told the same spiel to, like another single mum on the coast that he had kind of sold the same story to. And now the reason I share this is because energetically, I was not ready. Like I just wasn't ready to be tangled up with someone. So it made sense. It makes sense in hindsight that I call someone in who is so unavailable, like emotionally unavailable, also logistically unavailable because he lived in a different state. And I just think it's really worth noticing if you happen to be single, if you happen to be dating, if you happen to be having, you know, a series of shorter term relationships, especially, and of course, in a long term relationship, this applies as well. But I guess it's more obvious when you're dating and in shorter term relationships, if you're growing, because the sort of people that you're calling in will change, you know, so there is no way at all like there's no way in hell that I would fall for half the stuff or believe, you know, half the stuff or any of the stuff or accept the stuff that I did three years ago, two and a half years ago, whatever it is from that gentleman, that guy in particular, because I've had so many um, different iterations of myself 
there's no way that we would connect, you know, and even if occasionally he rears his, I was going to say rears his ugly head, um, but, you know, on occasion if he rears his head from my end, there's no polarity, there's no attraction because I'm like, oh, I'm just so not that version of myself who is willing to be in that situation. So I think that we do call people in that are either an energetic match or we call people in that are going to keep presenting the opportunity to grow and heal or the opportunity to stay stuck and keep repeating old patterns. So whilst there was like a lot of work I had to do to process trauma from past relationships, there was also a lot of forgiveness that I had to um, learn how to create for myself, a lot of self-compassion. If you're struggling with self-compassion, please do listen to my previous podcast episode with Kirsten Neff. She's just one of the leaders in the self-compassion space, and I so enjoyed my chat with her. And a lot of her research and work was so helpful to me in being able to actually extend that self-kindness and compassion to me. So lots of processing, lots of therapy. Some of the tools that I used, as I said, were talk therapy, journaling, breath work, even things like... um ice baths and ice showers they were really important for me for a little while in terms of just like resetting my sympathetic nervous system podcasts books all of that sort of stuff is helpful it then like once I'd processed and kind of made peace and kind of understood I think that was like a big one for me it's like I had to understand why get the lesson from certain things um, once I'd done that, it was then up to me, I guess, to get clarity, to gain clarity on what I wanted for the next version of myself. And that is when, you know, a vision board can be helpful. And it's not just that you're creating a vision board that then is going to magically run around the universe and create this person for you. But I think that the true gift in creating a vision board is the actual time that you're giving to yourself to truly connect with and acknowledge and validate that what you want is real and true to you and authentic and can exist. And the key there is that it is a vision. So you are forecasting into another version of yourself as to what it is that you will accept. That famous quote, you know, we all accept the love that we think we deserve is so true, like so, so true. You know, even the, the last relationship that I was in, I felt as though I really like, I must have deserved to be with someone who was so unwilling to love. You know, that's, of course, that's, you know, his own stuff, but it's a reflection of me of investing in someone where I had that information knowing that that person was never going to actually love me you know, it's like a form of self-sabotage, like self-harm to keep engaging in that. So back to what I was saying about vision, it's like getting clear on what are the things that you truly value and that you want in your life and shifting the focus from the things that you've repeated in the past to the stuff that you know that your soul really needs. Because I could list out a hundred things that previous relationships have given me because I've never been in a truly terrible relationship. I just haven't, you know, relationships that I've been in have always had a lot of good to them. You know, I would say mainly, mainly good to them. And so 
you know, there are hundreds of things that I could focus upon that those people, that those relationships had given me that are positive. But if there was still this, you know, these top level things that I was in pain over, like identifying what those are so that I don't repeat it again and again is really important. I think I've probably drilled that message in enough in this episode, but with your vision board, getting clear on, okay, what is it that you need in your soul? Like, what is it that you truly desire um, that someone can bring in? And this is the other thing with a vision board, you know, and I'm not saying you should create a whole vision board on a partner at all. You certainly could, but this is like one of the coolest things I think about thinking about a dream partner it tells you what you want for yourself and it is such an unlock. So you can do this even if you're in a long-term relationship, especially if you're in a long-term relationship. Think about what it is that you wish like your perfect, like this dream partner would have, would do the way that they would be and then give it to yourself because we really shouldn't be looking to anyone to give us things that we can give to ourselves. You know, because if we're doing that, then we're going into like codependent territory and also making people, you know, assigning them the responsibility of your happiness. And then you're going to eventually end up resenting them. So whatever it is that you want from a partner, any of those things, how can you give that to yourself? You know, so if you're thinking that you want someone who is fun and honest and a great communicator and, um, I don't know, like emotionally available, for example, pointing the finger at me, you've got to give those things to yourself first and foremost before you can even accept them or recognize them in someone else. And so when I was creating a vision board a year or so ago, some of the things that I put on my vision board were to represent the type of person that I would want to be with if I was going to be with someone And I'll also just say, like at the start of the year, I said to one of my good girlfriends, I think I'm at a place now where I'm okay if I don't meet someone. You know, prior to that, I think I tied up a lot of my value in having a person. But at the start of this year, I just remember having so many conversations and one conversation in particular with a girlfriend where I said, like, I've just gotten to the point where I can't wait around. Like, I'm not going to wait to go on holidays. I'm not going to wait to plan things. I'm not going to wait to have fun until I have this like complete, and this is in quotes, like this complete family unit. And maybe in the past I was kind of in that mode of feeling like, oh, you know, I really need someone. And I just got to the point with doing all of this work and understanding my responsibility to myself and my self-efficacy and the authority that I have in my own life of going, I don't actually need a partner. Isn't it funny? Because when that happens, that's when you meet someone and that's what they always say, but you can't fake it. You can't just go, oh, I don't need, you know, I don't need someone. And then they're going to come into your life. Um, But as I was creating this vision board off on a tangent, there were things that I put on this board that to me represented what I would hope to find with someone if I was going to find someone to do life with. And so some of those things included stuff that represents fun and freedom and spontaneity. I also had a couple of images that to me represented, like this sounds a bit, I don't know if it, like if it sounds dark, it's, it's meant to be light, but like an equal 
obsession because I feel it sounds funny, doesn't it? Obsession, but like an equal, um, like just, yeah, I'm going to just stick with the word obsession, like an equal obsession with someone because I feel as though in the past, not in my marriage, but in the past, I maybe, I don't know, won't even go into that. But in the past, I have felt like I've been with people where I am so enamored by them, you know, like I'll look at their face and be like, I'm so enamored by your face, like, you know, and just find so many things about them that I really enjoy. But I haven't felt as though anyone has ever felt that about me. And again, back to doing the work, perhaps that's because I didn't feel that way about myself. So I was choosing people who would not really see those things in me or because I didn't feel that way about myself. I wasn't relaxed enough to be my full self to allow someone to get to that stage with me. And so I had imagery that in my mind connected to couples that I perceived. They both had this like equal, equal feelings of being enamored by one another. And (laughs) I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel I'm like covering my eyes. I feel like I can't believe I'm going to say this because so many people have said this to me on social media. And I understand why they're saying it purely because Brendan's covered in tattoos. But one of the couples I had on my vision board that I feel represent and represent this like equal obsession with one another was of course, good old Travis Barker and Courtney Kardashian. Like I had a little photo of them from, I think a trip to Italy because A, I really want to go to Italy and B, I just think like as someone who is a physical touch person, I totally get that obsession with being all over each other at all times. And so I put that on the vision board and, you know, now like the reason I'm covering my eyes and being like, I can't believe I'm going to say that is because there's an obvious, like so many people have messaged me and said, oh my God, like clearly getting Kravis vibes here. And that's purely just because Brendan's covered in tattoos, right? But so I had that. I also had Gwyneth Paltrow and her partner, Brad Falchuk, on there as well because he had this beautiful Instagram post that he made about her one year for her birthday. And I know that this is all such superficial stuff, but it's what it represented to me as I was making that vision board. I also really wanted someone emotionally available and attentive and affectionate and someone above all else who could look at me and be like, that is my person and I want a future with that person. Now, I've said this before, that doesn't mean that that future is guaranteed and it's written in stone and it's written in blood and it's 100% going to happen. But I felt as though like my, to be able to be my true self, I wanted to be with someone if I was going to be with someone who really could imagine me in their future because in my like last breakup, I felt so rejected to find out that that person never, never envisioned me in their life past that current moment. It was so painful. And so for me, that was like a big thing of like, no, I don't want to repeat that wound again. I want to be with someone who can really imagine me in their life. So that was a big one. I also had a poem on there. Um, it's a Kim Adonisio one. It's called The First Poem for You. I'll let you go and Google it. Or maybe I should go and grab it. It's on my vision board. I'll read it to you. Hang on. All right, I'm back. I have grabbed the whole board and the first poem for you that I put on this board. Now, I did this over a year ago and it feels a little like cheesy now, but also kind of wild, like kind of wild that I felt connected to this, you know, to these words and to this sentiment, 
it does feel kind of wild now given that the guy in my life is who he is. It'll make sense in a second. Okay, so it goes like this. I like to touch your tattoos in complete darkness when I can't see them. I'm sure of where they are, know by heart the neat lines of lightning pulsing just above your nipple, can find it, as if by instinct, the blue swirls of water on your shoulder where a serpent twists facing a dragon. When I pull you to me, taking you until we're spent and quiet on the sheets, I love to kiss the pictures in your skin. They'll last until you're seared to ashes. Whatever persists or turns to pain between us, they will still be there. Such permanence is terrifying. So I touch them in the dark, but touch them trying. Such a beautiful beautiful poem. I'm such a fan of Kim Adonisio. I've read her work before on the podcast because I just, I love her. I think she's such a wordsmith, but I think like from memory, I put that on my vision board, as I said, over a year ago, because I liked the idea of knowing someone by heart. And I guess that's, you know, if I look at it analytically, it's because I wanted to know myself by heart as well. And also that, you know, whole thing about it's that permanence being so terrifying and something that's going to withstand no matter what happens between two people. I don't know. I just found that to be like a really beautiful sentiment in surrendering to the fact that you don't know what's going to happen between two people, but there are things that are permanent and there are things that are going to last um, and so, yeah, I don't know when, I, when I read that, it just stuck with me. And so I put that on my vision board cause I loved it. I really, really loved it. And so now it's like funny after, you know, getting to know Brendan a bit and then looking back on my vision board, I was like, Oh, holy shit. This is weird. Like I've, it's weird. So there's that just being completely, um, transparent in sharing that with you. Um, I think that like, as I said at the start, there's a lot of work that needs to be done when you're calling someone in because we are always manifesting but I don't mean that in the way of like you know if if things are going poorly that you are calling that in on purpose or that there's something wrong with you because you're calling it in but I think that we have so many opportunities and invitations to look at our own stuff over and over again and subconsciously we do seek that out And just back to what I was saying earlier about the vision that you have for this higher version of yourself, it's getting really clear on what it is that you want. And I've shared some of those things with you, such as like the emotional availability, the fun side of things. But I also really knew that I needed to be with someone who could see me across all avenues of my life. In the past, it had felt like I had compartmentalized, like I could be fun girlfriend, then I could be mum, And there wasn't a lot of, you know, cross-pollination going on. And that that was just because it was right at that time for me, but I knew that that wouldn't serve me long-term. Like if I was going to have a big love, like if I was going to have a really big, like love of my life type of thing, I knew that I would need to be able to feel vulnerable enough to have someone see me in all areas of my life, have someone see me as someone who can be successful and can earn enough money to support herself and her kids, see me as someone who at times is like a scared little girl and actually doesn't know what she's doing. 
someone who can see me as like a really loving mum, but then someone who can also treat me and see me as a girlfriend as well and bring it, you know, connect to that fun side as well as the deeper, you know, darker kind of side as well. And so with all of that being said, I can honestly say like hand on my heart, the relationship that I'm in right now, while I'm never going to get on a podcast and make predictions about how long certain things are going to last, all I can tell you is for right now, like there is this man in my life who really like for the first time ever, like I'm talking about ever in my whole existence, I feel like sees all of the sides to me and loves all of the sides to me. It doesn't feel like there are any conditions. I don't feel, you know, like I've been able to just be so open and so vulnerable and so brutally honest in the way that I've had to work hard to be with myself. I've been able to do that in our relationship with him as well and to continually be met with support and understanding and commitment you know, and of course it's only early days, but this is what, this is all I have to go off right now is just like, I still can't believe, like obviously I can't believe it, but it still just feels like, wow, holy shit, how is he here? Like he's here, there he is. There's this guy that's like not afraid that I have children. You know, I remember listening to a podcast on this topic of, you know, people dating when they had kids and it talked about how, Typically, if we, I'm not going to get this right, it's a Huberman lab episode, but it was on the attractiveness um, and compatibility and that type of thing in dating. And they're talking about if someone has children, they're lowered in the point scheme. So it was basically saying like people that are a 10 out of 10, however you judge that, um, they'll pair off together. And then people that are like a two out of 10, they'll pair off together. And it was basically saying, if you have kids, but you're a 10, you come down to being an eight. Or if you have kids and you're an eight, you come down to being a six and then you have to date down type of thing. And so there were part of, there was part of me, perhaps this is why I was like, you know what? I'm fine to always just be alone if, if that's the card I've been dealt. But there was part of me that was like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to meet. Like maybe I'm not going to meet this man that just comes in and can love the kids in, in his own way and isn't afraid of it. And at every single, like every single junction and every single opportunity, Brendan just loves the boys. Like it's never been something that I think has scared him in fact, like he has always said, it's something that he sees as like a bonus, you know, like, yes, he gets to get to know me, but he also gets to know these kids and be a part of their life as well. And just the whole way along, he's kind of just been like, yeah, run at me, come at me, like it's fine. And there's so much stability and certainty in the way that he shows up, which I just, I don't know, I'm still blown away by, but this is not meant to be a podcast. Um, just fangirling out on him and I'm trying like not to make my Instagram account like that as well (laughs) but I don't know I'm sure that you guys can all relate to what it's like when you are in that limerent stage and it's all very exciting anyway that is pretty much all I wanted to say on this topic of manifesting a man 
yes, you can manifest in terms of think about what you want, daydream about what you want, see how it feels, try it on in your body, all of that stuff. But you also have to do the work because if you're not doing that self work and that self responsibility and acceptance and accountability, you're going to keep repeating old patterns. And if those old patterns and old habits and old ways of thinking aren't serving you and they're causing you distress and heartbreak, you don't want to be stuck in that cycle and you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You can make these small, tiny, incremental shifts. Um, And that doesn't mean, this is something else that I want to say, that doesn't mean that, oh, if you're going to do the self-work, that you have to then hang up your boots and avoid everyone for a couple of years until you sort it out. No. And I've heard Esther Perel say this, and we love her. She's just like the best psychotherapist um, and relationship guru ever, I think, Esther Perel. Um, She says like, no, you can still do the self-work and be dating. And that's what I was doing. You know, I was going on a date a week or so, you know, give or take. Actually, there's something else I want to add. I'm glad that I kept waffling. Um, You can keep dating whilst doing this work because dating provides those opportunities to be like, hmm, try something different on. How does that feel? Does this feel familiar? Why does it feel familiar? What is that person activating within me? What is that person triggering within me? And try dating different types, you know. um, Prior to ever knowing that Brendan existed, I had gone on a handful of dates with someone who was younger than me. And in the past, I'd always said I would never date younger than me. And he was great. And he really set the bar in terms of like setting the bar for just being normal, like not playing any games. Um, I felt like I could be very comfortable around him. Like there was, there are things that can happen when you are dating and you are working on yourself that can work in like this beautiful synergy and harmony. You don't have to go and live on a mountain or in a cave until you work this shit out. Like you can work it out in real time and you can still enjoy life and experiences. And that was the other thing that I forgot to say earlier that I wanted to say is as you're doing this stuff, you will then be kind of given opportunities where something will present itself to you and you can accept it or you can go, you know what? No, like I've done enough work on myself to know that this is not good for me and calling it off. So again, before meeting Brendan and I had been like in this like dance with this other person and there were, I, I found myself just getting to a point where I realized this person doesn't like me. Like they're actually showing me in all of their actions, in all of the way that they show up for me, even though it's sometimes I was like, huh, no, they are showing up because they'd show up and do things. And, um, there were certain that was like breadcrumbs, you know, they'd give me enough breadcrumbs to make me think that they could potentially like me or they could just keep me on the hook. But I got really honest with myself and I was like, huh, this person's giving me the information that I need and I'm not going to enter into this in the way that I did in the past. Like I now have learned if someone gives you that information earlier, believe them. And so I called it off and I said, don't talk to me. I don't want to speak to you. Um, this is no good for me. You're not treating me well. And I know that I can't have this in my life. And literally, as soon as I called that off, that was the day. That was the day that I started communicating with Brennan like hours later. And so I think that there is a lot of power in reminding yourself that like sometimes you might accept things because it's a bit of an ego hit or there's potential there or you're talking yourself into something. But if you get really quiet and really honest with yourself and you recognize, huh, 
this person's giving me the information and they're not really that into me. And then you call it off. It opens up space for someone to come in who is going to be able to meet those needs, who is going to really truly see you, but you've got to be brave enough to create that space. Because if you keep filling that space with someone who is not, then there's nowhere for that other person to go when they arrive. Okay. I feel like I have waffled on so much. If you enjoy this style of episode where it's more like reflective and kind of real-time life updates, please do let me know. I would love to hear from you. You can reach out via Instagram over at Kylie Camps. Um, If you enjoy the podcast, click a review, click the star rating. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it, please. Um, Other than that, I'll talk to you soon and make sure you join our free Facebook group as well. Details are in the show notes. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 